In this episode, the gang is back together. Destiny calls, and everyone needs to silence their phones when you're recording. Come on. Welcome to Fax Machine. Listeners, my name is Rob, and I'm here virtually alongside my co-hosts, Noah. Hello. And M. Hi. The regular cast of Fax Machine, a podcast by and for people who are curious about everything, but especially the things that make them laugh. And today, we're just going to take a little bit of your time because we have some interesting and exciting news about the next few weeks that actually we've hit a, a, a almost a milestone. Uh, actually, with this, with this brief recording, this will be our 50th episode do you still do that are air horns still a thing right now i think they're not covid safe Uh, (laughs) because they're actually full of covid long (laughs) air dispersing it yeah (laughs) yeah someone fills the cans by like blowing through and yeah no Uh, i i think the cheese wheeze it's just But no, air horns are appropriate. 50 episodes is a big deal. I, I don't think we ever, I don't think we thought we would make it uh, <laughs> for at least part of this journey. And also, um, our three-year anniversary is March. March of 2018 was when we dropped our first episode on uh, most platforms that you are streaming on um, or hearing this podcast. So yeah, our three-year official anniversary. Uh, so a lot of things, a lot of stars lining up. And despite the fact that our podcast is now three years old. Uh, it doesn't mean that we need to tell Twitter that our that our podcast is three years old. I was like, like, am I going uh, to make it through this without that being called up? Nope, of course not. Okay. Just in case listeners haven't visited us on Twitter, at Fax Machine Pod. Uh, what happened there? Well, as explained in our still pinned tweet to our profile, because, you know, lest I ever live it down, <laughs> I at one point was futzing with our Twitter account and found the option to set a birthday and was like, that's cute. We had a release date. That's kind of like a birthday. And I set it and our account was promptly suspended <laughs> because two-year-olds because we were, we were less than 13. 10 years from now, we will proudly enter our birthday into Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be 13, actually, so we got to keep this going for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited to talk to everybody today um, because we have just some interest. Oh, is that you guys? Um, that... Oh. Oh, that's, oh, that's, no, sorry, that's, that's me. Funny. That's me. Oh, guys, it's Moya. Hey, oh. cool. Hey. <laughs> oh, hey, Rob. Hey, Moya. How's it going? All right. I was, uh, I was in the phone neighborhood, so I thought I'd give you a phone call. Oh, much appreciated. Hey, I'm Say he- hi to Moya for us. Oh, yeah. Here, hi. I'm here with Noah and M. Moya, I put you on speaker. Oh, hey, thanks. How's it going? Hi, Moya. Hi. Uh, What's up? Oh, you, uh, you know, normal, normal stuff. It sounds a little suspicious, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what are you hiding, Moya? I'm really just hiding that I have no life and nothing is up at all. <laughs> okay. That checks out. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> I, I feel that... comforted by the similarity. Great. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I, I was calling because I got really excited about Stargate, Rob, and I wanted to share something with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're actually in the middle of recording. Do you want to just tell us here? Oh, what a coinkydink. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Rob, as you know, because we talk on the phone all the time. Constantly, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying Stargate SG-1 right now. Like I am uh, watching it so much, it's borderline unhealthy. Yeah. I don't think there's such a thing, but I I, I feel you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and I have just been struck by how uh, this is going to sound mean, but like they don't know anywhere near as much about space as we know these days. Uh, and I <laughs> I just wanted to share share with you that um, since the show was first premiered since it first aired in 1997 we have mapped more than a thousand times more of the milky way galaxy than they had mapped when they first started the show wow wow Wow. does that mean they like only 
go to the parts they know about? No, it's actually or- really interesting because they go all over the galaxy and they even leave the galaxy sometimes. But um, the when they first started using the Stargate, they couldn't actually connect to any other Stargates because none of the addresses they tried worked. And they've realized that, that was because of stellar drift. The stars themselves and therefore oh. the planets around them had moved mm. since the Stargate system was constructed. And so they I needed see. to account for that motion, which means they did a lot of really cool astrophysics to get the Stargate working. But if the Stargate program started now, they would be able to use even cooler and more accurate astrophysics to get the Stargate working. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So you said it was 1997. And so it's been like 20, 23 years. And we've done how many times more? Is Over a thousand. Yeah. So at the time, the cutting edge map of the Milky Way galaxy came from the Hipparchos and Tycho missions. Uh, Together, they had about a million stars in them, the positions and motions of those stars. And a couple years ago, in 2013, am I saying? Yeah, in 2013, the Gaia mission was launched, uh, which up until this point has mapped more than a billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, which is still only about 1% of the stars in the galaxy, but that's that's a whole heck of a lot. (laughs) I hope that this is a good time um, for me to say that I don't know what that is. What is Stargate? <laughs> what is Stargate? Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Thank you for this saying why... it because I'm in the same boat. <laughs> this is why Moya calls Rob. This is why we exactly. don't call you guys. Yeah. <laughs> what is a Stargate? Oh, my God. So Stargate, the franchise, has been around since 1994. It started with a movie called Stargate. And the premise was that, you know, ancient aliens did come to earth and did influence human populations they built um that's a, that's not true what explain stargate Wait, is any of this true <laughs> nothing everything i've said is a lie i'm i'm so sorry <laughs> um and not just like science fiction lie as in like even more yes, it's an intentional um <laughs> obfuscation of the truth um but your question was what is a stargate well i mean just what what, what is, is the, the show? show right uh, and the idea is that this team, SG-1, and a bunch of other teams from Stargate Command, which is a uh, part of the Air Force, so it's a military operation, but they have access to this incredible piece of machinery invented by aliens that can connect them to uh, any other Stargate in the universe. So these Stargates can take them to other planets and they go and they explore. Uh, They are um, ostensibly trying to collect cool alien technology that can defend them from their foes, the Gua'uld. But they are also, you know, just on like peace missions to to form alliances and, and help people where they can and and learn cool stuff but like so if they if they had stargates back then but they literally knew like one one thousandth of one percent of all the stars in the milky way galaxy like what were they even doing they were just trying out different combinations at first when humans discovered the stargate on earth there are also there are multiple stargates on earth most of them have been like lost or, or destroyed until one was discovered in egypt in the 50s 60s i'm not sure um but they had to figure out how to make it work and then they just tried a bunch of different combinations of symbols which act as like coordinate systems or like a phone number uh so they could reach these other planets it's like if you just found a phone buried in in egypt and you picked it up and you had no phone lines there were no antennas there was no system and you constructed your own and then you just tried a bunch of different phone numbers until you found something on the other line that's exactly what they did I will say I finally, like, too late, got around to watching Contact a couple of months ago, and I'm imagining, like, that existing in, like, the same universe of, like, in that case, aliens were like, you know what, let's just, like, tell them how to do it. They're not finding these stargates. (laughs) Admittedly, like, I mean, loved it so much. Matthew McConaughey did not belong there. But... All, the whole rest of it, 100%, highly recommend. But Doug, that would probably dig Stargate, too. I think you would. I'm a little worried about movies like Contact in the COVID era. (laughs) <laughs> I don't I don't want to be having close encounters of any kind. <laughs> well, I think alien messages being from outer space would be considered socially distant uh communication. So yeah. <laughs> should be okay. Yeah, you'd you'd probably love the sequel though, contact tracing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, love it. So what do you think would have happened if they had 
okay, so I guess they tried to use the Stargates before they recalibrated Mm -hmm. them, right? And they just didn't work? Like, they just walked into, like, a brick wall? Or, like, would they have just popped uh, out The Stargate just wouldn't open. It wouldn't connect. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah, so then once they were able to account for the drift, they had... um, This is getting deeper into Stargate lore, but they had to go to a planet first. They were able to connect with one planet. Uh, They did that in the movie, so that was, you know, like starting in the canon they had to be able to go to one planet on that planet they found a list of a bunch of coordinates for other planets that the stargate could take them to but none of those worked because of the drift so then they had to do the math and the science to figure out how to account for that drift and they did it fine enough in 1997 when the show started but if they were doing that now first of all they'd have better computers so the calculations would be a lot faster and they would just have a bigger catalog of stars to pull from they'd also know more about the stars in the systems that they visit it really worries me that sometimes they go to uh other planets where they they send like robots through to you know figure out if the atmosphere is breathable and if there are any dangers in the immediate vicinity but Oftentimes, that doesn't tell them much about the astronomy of things. There was one episode where they went to a planet uh, and their robot, you know, it found that the air was fine and the temperature was fine. And then they get there and like three hours later, a second sun rises. Uh Uh-oh. They just didn't know that there were two suns in this system. And that's something that we would probably have been able to figure out if we were doing this now. No, Moya, doesn't your, if I may be misremembering this, but doesn't your research have something to do with, like, tracking the movement of objects in the galaxy? It does, indeed, yes. This is why I was so excited. So, so do, we have, <laughs> do we have you to thank for fixing Stargate? Oh, my God. If, if I could change anything about the world I live in and my life, it would be that, you know, I want the Stargate to be real and I want to be part of Stargate Command <laughs> so that I can fix these problems. But no, you, I, you can't thank me yet. Well, so when you say, though, that if Stargate were happening around, you know, today, they could have done that work much better and faster, also in part because you would have been helping out with it yes. and doing it. And they would have had you on the That's team. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll put in a good word for you. And uh... <laughs> we have a, have a lot of cloud around oh, here. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I didn't realize you had Air Force Connects. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we us and Stargate go way back. They've been uh, sending our podcast through like the golden disc on Voyager. Oh, <laughs> oh no! no. <laughs> Trying to dissuade alien races from coming here. Yeah. <laughs> Back machine representing humanity. Oh, no. I mean that's kind of a really cool defense mechanism. <laughs> Just don't don't come here. Don't take us over. We have these terrible podcasts hosted by people who do nothing but make puns. <laughs> And Moya, because we have you here, I I really want to ask, because it's been in the news so much that the FBI declassified all these these UFO videos. Could could it be? I mean... I know that that's not at all what you study, <laughs> but I, I just want to ask everyone. <laughs> I have to say yes. Like, could it be? Yes. As a scientist, I have to be open to all possibilities until the data proves otherwise. But do I think it's aliens? No. I, I feel like we are not advanced enough. To, and I mean that in, in both ways. Like, I don't think we're advanced enough for aliens to come to us if they, like, just discovered us now. Like, we're not interesting. I also think we're not advanced enough for aliens to have been here in the past because they would have left stuff. And, and we, like, we're, not, we're not far enough along to have started with some of their technology as a starting point. Not even those d- triangular obelisks in the desert. <laughs> oh, you got me there. I have, I, I have uh, no way ah. to explain that. Yeah. Well, Moya, I know you, you've probably got to run and do lots of uh, cool space stuff, but uh, thanks for, for calling in with the Stargate fact. I'll, uh, I'll set a calendar reminder for, for next week when we're going to chat about Please it again. Do. Although this has been great. <laughs> this, you know, just serendipitous encounter uh, with the entire fax machine crew. I've really enjoyed it. You know what I really like about that is that um, Saren, S E R E N in Welsh means star. Really? Oh, yeah. That's nice. So it is sort of serendipitous. Wow. Sort of. That's poetic. That makes me happy. There's one listener out there who's so happy right now. He's like, at last. (laughs) You're one listener who just wants way more Welsh content. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't complete the Duolingo Welsh course not to talk about it on my podcast. <laughs> Thanks so much, Moya, for calling, but we got to get back to recording this uh, just quick episode we're doing. Yeah. So <laughs> appreciate the call, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting, but thanks for indulging me. We're not me. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Please I'll, I'll talk to anytime. you soon. See good. You. Bye. Bye. Okay, so uh, this has been really fun, but we do want to get to this kind of um, interesting... Rob, yeah. I'm so sorry. You're literally not going to believe this, but I've been distracted by my phone. Wait, who? what's happening? <laughs> In the middle of recording. I am getting a call right now. Can I answer it? It's Anthony, actually. Oh, I guess oh. so. Do you mind okay. if I... Oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, hold on. Let me just pick this up. Sure. Hey, Anthony. Noah, how you doing? Good, man. We're uh, just actually recording right now. How you doing? Oh, good. I was calling to actually see how the audio equipment's going. Oh, well, sometimes, sometimes we can't hear Emily. And then sometimes she laughs very loud. <laughs> and then it's all you can hear. <laughs> I am. Your own speaker, modes. by the way. Hello. What's up, Anthony? Robert, how are you now? Living the dream. boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was authentic okay, well, as fuck. Well, it sounds like the audio is working. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great to hear from you. I mean, uh, unless you have anything else to say, uh, I yeah, guess, you know. It was so sweet of you to check in. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want a fact? I, I have I have been storing facts for you guys. Well, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, we weren't really doing facts today, but I guess, yeah, if you have a good one. The, the facts machinists were not doing facts. <laughs> Close just... down for business. I mean, we'll okay, fine. open go. up shop just for you. Yeah, go go ahead. What, what oh, we got? Right. Let's hear this. So, so what I learned this week, you know, narwhals, like, you know, whales with unicorn horns, basically? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. so that horn is not a horn at all it is actually a tooth it is a single canine tooth that just has burst from their mouth it's actually only on one side too it's their left tooth and it just wow it it bursts through the mouth and can grow (laughs) it bursts through the mouth you're talking like that's that's how your teeth come through i know but that's (laughs) normal that's normal tooth stuff but you're talking about like it, it comes out of its head well, I mean, sort of. It, it's like it comes out of its head, but its mouth is also on its head. It's coming out of its okay. Tongue. So hold on, <laughs> that's a good point, well made. But you know what I mean. <laughs> it comes out of its forehead. Wait, so well, it's not though. It's it's underneath its eyes. It's like where the whale's teeth would be. It's just, and that's actually the crazy part of this too. Is like the tooth comes out. Only the left side comes out, okay. right? But you you look inside these these whales' mouth. No teeth. They have no other teeth. They just have the one tooth. There's like a couple of tiny like vestigial teeth right next yeah. to it. Okay. Totally non-functional. They they eat other fish and they just swallow them whole. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they really weren't so good at that whole moderation thing. Just no, like, it, it, it's either no well, teeth or all the tooth. Well, they were left with they had they had only so much like enamel and they put it all into one tooth. Well, that's the thing, too, is like the the energy it takes to make. First off, these tusks can be uh, like 10 feet, basically, and they're they're hollow and they they have this like left handed helix as they grow. So they're like really beautiful the spiral helix. But the energy like somebody has done the math, somebody way smarter and more into this than I am uh, (laughs) has done the math, like the energy required to make a 10 foot tooth tusk. They could have 40 other teeth instead, like. They could have functional teeth <laughs> instead. Just... They just had this one wacky one. Oh my gosh, that's so wild. So yeah, it's it's weird. So is it is it actually used as a spear? I feel like that's like the like it's, you it's... have this thing. You might as well just like just spear dolphins with it. It's kebabs. it's a, a a big question in in the it's in the kebabs. narwhal field. <laughs> actually, they live in the ocean, not the field. <laughs> <laughs> in the narwhal ocean field. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a narwhalist somewhere who is just so mad about all of this. So, has anyone like measured the sort of range of tusk sizes that you see with narwhals? Do they fall in narwhal distribution? Yeah, it's it's. Oh, I don't know about that. I know it's like an average. Oh, what? <laughs> I think everybody else missed no, it. No, you all missed it. <laughs> Nar- narwhal distribution. <laughs> It sounded so. Oh! Just drive a narwhal tusk through my heart. Why don't Dang. you? Dang! <laughs> That's funny. That's what you're looking to so, hear. I'm it's so like it, they get up to like ten feet long, but but yeah, the the purpose is still like completely contested, like what it might be. Um, 
only the males have them, but there are exceptions. So 15% of females will occasionally get a tusk. And of the males, like uh, especially of the males, one in 500 get two. So both canines grow out and they have like double. Do they have two horns or do they twist together? No, they don't twist together. They grow like slightly apart on an angle, like a very acute angle. Like a V? Like a V. It's very uh, acute. It's cute. Interesting. But yeah, it's, it, it is a complete mystery as to like how this happened um, because they don't know like did they used to have teeth? Were their teeth vertical at some point? And then it went like sideways and came out straight. Um, and, and, and they don't really know like what pressures would possibly have selected for you having one silly tooth off the side that comes straight out of your face from 10 feet. So uh, I don't know if you've ever looked into like antler evolution um i was looking into rapid bone growth in my thesis and so i did a whole like one month stint thinking i would become like an antler scientist because that would have been way better that's Um, very cool actually yeah but it it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't going to be a simple path in my fourth year to to switch from like mouse spines to like wild deer so we didn't do it to to branch out like an antler (laughs) but so there's like a ton of theories like why did why do antlers occur and like they're they're pretty normal because we see deer and things with antlers all the time and they're like part of our culture so we're just like cuz they have antlers but like it's a bone that's it's not really a bone either but it's like a rapidly growing vascularized uh, mineral structure that comes out of the skull and it just makes like coat hangers and then it falls off <laughs> and it's like why would you do this and like the the major theories are like, well, it could be for hit, heat dissipation, but it happens in the mm. winter. So, like, you wouldn't dissipate heat in the winter. Or it's for protecting young, but then you'd have it on, like, female deer and it's on male deer instead. So then it's a courtship display. But there are so many other things they do for courtship displays that are, like, you know, vocalizations and dances and, and things. And so, like, the, the only reason that antlers exist, they, like, the predominant theory is for intraspecies battling. Like literally yeah. the same reason like rams have horns just so like so that two males can duke it out with like a weird set of weapons that gave them an advantage at one point. Is it necessary that it's intraspecies or are they just general purpose weapons? So that that's the thing. If they were general purpose weapons, females should have them too because they do child rearing and child protection. And like mm. deer don't hunt food, but they would only defend basically. <laughs> Yeah, I... those are those are good points because the deer is a, an interesting like kind of kind of parallel to this, right? So there's been a, like a lot of proposed uses for like what possibly would have selected for this one tooth in in narwhals, and it's been proposed as a weapon or um, that they could use it to like break breathing holes in the ice when the sea freezes mm-hmm. over because they do Ooh. need to breathe. They're mammals. Yeah, they're right? arctic fellows. And and I don't mostly... think the hole they would make is big enough. Well, so they like <laughs> even somebody else has done math with that too. That like the ten feet is enough for them to like carve out a whole. F- ah, like I, I was uh, thinking maybe they would just align their blowhole to the <laughs> to the hole they oh make with their tusks. <laughs> it's literally and just stay there. <laughs> it's the whale equivalent of like Capri Sun, and they're just like, oh. <laughs> it's frozen, but I gotta get it out. <laughs> oh my god, I would not want to be like the one person like walking over the sea ice at that point where like this tusk just like comes flying. <laughs> oh <through>. my god. <laughs> but wait, so the idea but, is they like saw like a like a not really of ice saw. Out? I think it's much more crude. They probably are just like breaking it up and, and just like they get yeah. a, a big enough diameter that when they kind of like mm. crest over the water, they can breathe. But okay. um, yeah, it could be also like a little bit like it's like the hokey pokey, literally. Like you stick your left tooth in and shake it all about. <laughs> <laughs> you do the hokey pokey and you break up all the ice. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Also, I just have to mention, Em, that when you said sawing, I pictured the, the Wile E. Coyote scenario. Yes, where there's exactly! Like a, a tusk sawing a circle around, and exactly. then all the rest of the ice falls, and the circle stays perfectly still. Yeah, no, just Looney Tunes are running through my mind that entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is... It does, it does mostly seem like it ended up that it, most scientists think it's just a, it's a secondary sex trait that was selected for, because, uh, you know we know that they don't need it because the females don't have it, right? So it's it's not required by any means for narwhals to have this. So they, they kind of land on that, but they, they did think narwhals do this thing called tusking where the males kind of like come up and just like, like I don't know, like kind of grind tusks against each other. And and for a while they thought that that was like what the deers do, right? It's like a, a, mm. a hierarchical like 
yeah, my tusk is bigger than yours, yeah. bro. Like you I got, better, I got you a tusk to grind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it ends up that these tusks are like heavily innervated and they think that they're Ooh. actually, they, they, they actually have tons of like receptors. So they, they know they're getting information from the environment through them. And they think they might be communicating by like, you know, tusking like that. It might actually be a, a friendly fascinating. thing. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, super weird. Cool. Um, we've mentioned before in an episode where unicorns were the topic of the, of the mm. episode. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I oh, mean, yeah. they were involved <laughs> that, um, a classic that the sort of what was peddled, especially in medieval times as, as a unicorn horn was just narwhal tusks. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. and we also mentioned that the, the throne of Denmark, like right. the, the king yeah. or queen's chair is, is fascinating. It's so cool to look at. It is completely made of narwhal tusks. It's incredible. It's like, it's basically sort of a boxier version of like the game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> like throne, <laughs> the one with all the swords, but it's just narwhal tusks. It does you know, it looks a little different, but it's, it's very, very cool. <laughs> but I, I looked that up recently. And one thing I didn't know back when we were recording that was that there's another sort of, uh, interesting thing about the throne room. And it's that, um, because apparently like the throne of Solomon in the Bible was like, you know, guarded by 12 lions. The Danish were like, all right, let's have three life-size silver lions that are just in the throne room. And they like are put into different positions around. I don't know. If, I think they even move them around, honestly. Well, the, the connection with the Norwell tusks and the, and the unicorns and the royalty thing is, is actually really strong too, because so like like you guys, I think you covered on an episode, right? Vikings were finding these and then selling them as unicorn horns, which really took off. And like royalty would not only collect them for themselves, but they would then also like gift them to other royalty as like a, a you know a show of like I really care about you. I got you this unicorn horn. And like even popes, like in in 1533, Pope Clement gave one mounted in solid gold to King Francis of France. Like even the pope was like. They're like, is this okay? Like, is this blasphemy? And he's like, no, no, it's, it's magic. It's great. Like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to him, right? But the, the reason that this really took off is the, the real fun in this fun fact, which is that uh, <laughs> the major appeal of unicorn horns at this time was they were a poison antidote. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, the thought was unicorns are magical. And so their horns must also be magical. And then this was confirmed scientifically in 1577 when british explorer martin frobisher he brought back a six foot sea unicorn he called it a tusk he brought it home and he tested its medical abilities so what he did was he filled remember these tusks are hollow so he filled it with spiders and (laughs) all the spiders died so he was like yeah this will neutralize poison tell everyone one for one. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and and he gave it to Queen Elizabeth the first as like this is going to keep you safe from poison. So like he, the royalty were like drinking out of them. And I feel like if I were Jeez. Queen Elizabeth and I was given part of a dead animal's body <laughs> filled with spiders, my reaction wouldn't dead be spiders. let me drink out of it. De- <laughs> okay, lots of dead animals. My reaction would oh, be <laughs> mm, gross. Literally off with Frobisher's head immediately. You you would think so, but they 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 actually just like completely rejected reality. So like Elizabeth the first had that around, and then her successor, King James the first, he was like, you know what? I feel like we should be a little more serious, like a little more rigorous about the way we test these things. So he he poisoned one of his servants, and then gave him some of like the the powdered like ground up unicorn horn. And the servant died, so he was like, clearly this is not a real unicorn horn. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. <laughs> and that is science. <laughs> That's how it goes. Oh, well, that was, I mean, that was kind of a fun detour. Thanks, Anthony, for uh, spearheading that sharing of an excellent fact. It was my pleasure. Oh, my God. That's so good. It's been like 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, I gotta see it. That's great. <laughs> It was nice chatting, guys. Likewise. Thank you so much, Anthony. Yeah, thanks. Bye. We'll see you later. And basically, what we came on to do was just have a quick uh, informative session to tell you all about oh. Oh what's my God, coming down so the sorry. line. This is unprofessional, but uh, but someone's calling me right now. I forgot to silence my phone. Oh. Um, 
Missy. No worries. We'll wait. No, no, oh, it's Rich Fizz. It. Yes. This is yeah. Rich Fizzler. Yeah. We, who we referred to on our first live show as the Rich Fizzler of high school Connecticut chemistry and physics fame. Yeah, that very, very same. <laughs> the very same. Hey, Rich, what's up? Hey, Em, how are you guys? So excited to talk to you guys. Your 50th episode. How did you know about that? <laughs> we were just talking about that. crazy coincidence. I've been counting. I've been sitting in my room, my COVID, my COVID cellar, and marking <laughs> in blood, you know, the number of episodes that I've listened to. And uh, yeah, so I've got all these lines and scratches on the wall. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for uh, thanks for giving us the ring. We're, we're pretty pumped about, uh, you know, just making this quick little episode and, and uh, getting in news out to the sure. people. Well, I've got, um, I, I just have a weird fact for you, but I'm going to introduce it by asking you, what does a little mermaid wear to math class? Mm. Sea glasses? Oh, Ooh. it's, I, I know, I know. Wait, I don't know, but can I guess? Yeah. A squared plus B squared equals C shells. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> Bob? It has to be an algebra. <laughs> an algebra. So, sorry. <laughs> that was great. My weird little fact has to do with Hans Christian Andersen. You know, just a guy from um, fairy tales lore uh, met Charles Dickens at some party in like 1840 something or other, 47, and uh, just was total fanboy and wrote him letters for nine years. Um, just kept oh. corresponding, oh. and Dickens was like, "Well, hey, if you're ever in the neighborhood, why don't you come by, and you can stay with us?" So he showed up at his house, um, <laughs> stayed was supposed to stay a fortnight, which I think is. Two weeks, not a video game. Remember, there is a video game, but it's also, I think, two weeks, right? Yeah. First. Oh, I learned something cool about that. It's it's uh it's it is two weeks because it's fourteen nights. Oh, I didn't oh, even think of that. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Okay. Wow. Okay. So he was supposed to stay a fortnight. Showed up and um, told Charles Dickens' family that it's uh, Danish tradition to have a member of the family that he's visiting to shave him. <laughs> Dickens' family didn't want any part of that, so they sent him to the harbor. And uh, stayed a really long time, like five weeks. Wow. <laughs> Two and a half fortnights. <laughs> yeah. So um, they basically never spoke to him again. Unfriended him on Danish Facebook and never spoke to him again. That's why it's interesting to think of like those titans of literature knowing each other, let alone like being in an odd couple kind of housing scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of putting up with him and rolling his eyes. I'm like, he'll never show up. Next thing you know, he's on the doorstep. <laughs> That's everybody's worst fear, I think, when they make like plans they never really intend. Sort of as the, you know, you, know, you make plans with someone just to be like, yeah, we should totally get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a tweet today that was uh, it's basically like, um, like making plans for when the quote, when the pandemic is over is the equivalent of like yesterday's uh, let's get lunch oh, sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're kind of happy about the pandemic, right? You yeah. don't have people coming to visit. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's nice sometimes. But uh, I think all in all, it sucks. Yeah, I think we can all agree. <laughs> <laughs> overall. Yeah, overall. overall facts, yeah. facts Facts with Gene's official position, not great. Not great. <laughs> the whole shaving thing, is that... Is that actually a Danish tradition? <laughs> I don't know, but the couple stories I read kind of kept had some references on that, but I don't think it's a Danish tradition. I hope he means his face. Oh, that's true. Was, yeah, when does yeah. when was landscaping invented? <laughs> I think that day at Charles at Charles Dickens' it. house. That's what it was all about. Can I say if you Google <laughs> shaving Danish house guests? Which was the key, which is the keywords I chose because it seemed like it would it would cast the net in the direction I wanted. You had great expectations, <laughs> but the number one hit is how Hans Christian Andersen destroyed his. Oh, you're kidding! That's <laughs> the number one hit. There you go. I would imagine Danish house guests make for a pretty bleak house. Oh, I was gonna. Don't give beat me to Ooh. it. <laughs> Had it up the sleeve. I was like, just waiting for the moment. (laughs) But (laughs) regards to maybe being a bleak house. So I ask because I'm wondering whether like it was simply Hans Christian Andersen being an unwelcome guest and overstaying his welcome being what destroyed the friendship or whether there were certain like 
continued incidents and escapades that happened over those five weeks that just really like you know put a kibosh to that um like whether the the shaving request was only the beginning of his sort of like outlandish kind of tendencies that dickens was in like oh my god get this guy out of my house what if it was danish tradition that a house guest had to be shaved by the 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 owners of the house before the house guest could leave <laughs> and actually <laughs> christian henderson was like oh man this it is took a mistake five weeks to break i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> finally caved Oh my gosh, these quotes are brutal. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. So Hans Christian Andersen was talking, apparently to his friend who was coming over to visit, and he said, Charles Dickens said, well, Hans Christian Andersen might be here at the time, um, and you won't know him, um, but you won't mind him because he only speaks Danish, and it's suspected of not even knowing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have one more Dickens reference. Just drop it. (laughs) It's just that, you know, there's a... A lot of cultural differences, as this story attests, um, you know, between Copenhagen and London. Uh, and that's really just um, the tale of two <laughs> <we> cities. <laughs> ah, nice. Excellent. Well, I do have to say this phone call has been the best of times. Uh... <laughs> just just the best of times? Just the best of times. This is not, you know, the winter of my, of, you know, whatever. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Awesome. And fax machine is the best of time. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> See you. All right. Well, that was uh, that was exciting. But um, okay, so we are kind of going over a little bit. I want to get back on track with just just a, a couple quick announcements about what we're going to be doing mm. with. Um, uh, oh, mm. oh, sorry, guys. Rob, uh, I, you're not going. Oh, you're not going <laughs> to believe this. It's Diana. Diana Montana. Oh, I don't geez. even believe it. <laughs> Hold on. Let, let me take this. I'm going to put her on speaker. Hello? Hello. Hi Diana. Hey, What's Diana. up? Hey. Oh, the the whole team's here. Hey everyone. Yeah. We're all we're actually recording an episode right now. What's up with you? No kidding. Are are you always doing that? I, I figured I would probably be catching you recording. Like 6 days a week we like to just sit here and uh, we release like a 1-hour episode every 2 weeks, but the rest yeah. of it's all on tape. Yeah, <laughs> and you just... never know when inspiration will strike, so you just always have to be recording. I like it. It's a good way to be. Well, I am actually calling you all today um, because I've got a fact uh, that I'm thinking about putting into a trivia night, but I, I need your advice Ooh, on sure. on what might be a good trivia question, actually. So um, I've got these, I've got three ways, or rather, I've got three possible origins for the word 11. I don't know if you've ever Ooh. thought much about huh. the word 11, but oh, it's, it's weird. It's from that show Stranger Things, right? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the first recorded instance of the word 11. Um, no, but if you think about the word 11 and even 12. Uh, sorry, can I, can I do a stupid one real quick? <laughs> Isn't that in the Bible you're supposed to eat 11 bread? Oh, <laughs> no. We went back for that. <laughs> Good. All right, all jokes aside. Um, the word 11 is weird, right? It's it's just we we norm, we count up to 10, that all makes sense, and then 13, 14, 15 follow a a pattern. And then even 20, right? Like 20, 30, 40, all the 10s follow a normal pattern. And then you think back to 11 and you're like, what in the world happened there? Why not one teen? Why not two teen? <laughs> what happened to get us to 11? So, um I've written basically two lies and a truth two is that how it goes is that the game um that's a game it's this game <laughs> it's this game um and so um one of them is true of what we think the origin of the word 11 is and the other are uh ones that i made up so um i want you all actually to take this test to see if it's a good trivia question for me oh yeah you okay. ready Let's do it. Always. All right. So uh, one of the possible origins of the word 11 is that it is from the Old English endleophon. My old English is a little rusty, so excuse me for the pronunciation, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, which essentially just means one left. That's it. Uh, All right. So that's the first option. Uh, The second option is that it's actually from 11s's which is, you know, as we all know, a light refreshment taken at about 11 a.m. Um, but you might not know that also um, it comes from the phrase 11 years, which is a traditional uh, like bread that is served at oh. 11s. Wait, is that related to like the word leaven? 
Kind of, I think. I think that's kind of where it comes from, yeah. So, was I not completely right? <laughs> I'm going to breeze we'll right see. past that, yeah. <laughs> and go to the, the third option. So, the third possible option for the origin of the word 11 is that it comes from Roman numerals. So, XI, mm. which in Greek sounds like XI, Yota. So, mm. it, it kind of does what languages do right and it kind of eventually gets to 11. I'm not a linguist so I don't know exactly how it happened but <laughs> Greek's very old it's been around for many thousands of years and so eventually English people just took it and said good enough. So wow. those are the three options. So again it is an old English word for one left. It is from 11s a light refreshment or rather a uh, light yeah a light refreshment taken around 11 a.m. or Roman numerals xi in um, the Greek sort of way that words evolve. What do you think? Wow. I love the idea of like one language using letters that's another language's numbers and they see a number and trying to pronounce it just mm -hmm. in general. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a whole another fact about why uh, the fish, the Jesus fish thing came around. Oh, yeah. That's a whole other thing. I could talk about that later. But anyway, yes, continue. Um, I, I, okay, I think that it is, um, I think it's the first one, and I think I know why. All right. Yeah, that's my... Emily, that's my what do you think? Um, I'm a very strong subscriber to the mode of trivia wherein you pick the answer that you most want to be true, so I'm saying the second one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, well, then I guess I'll take uh, the third one, because uh, <laughs> languages do morph and change a lot. All right, well, we have three uh, versions of the word 11, which everyone has, we have evenly picked one. I didn't even mean for you all to. We've all but... staked our claims. Yeah. <laughs> one thing we know how to do is build dramatic tension in trivia. Yes. Everyone's lining up behind their favorite hosts now. What's the, what's the prize, Diana? What do we win? Uh, you win my bag? respect. You can okay. name my other plant, which is the, oh, yeah. which is the trivia. I was like literally just talking at trivia last night for Science Friday, and I was like, I don't know. You can name this plant if you win, because I didn't have a prize. The prize was just going to be you know mm -hmm. props glory yeah. uh and and i was like i don't know you can name my plant i have so many of them they don't have names i actually four of my plants have names and that's because they all came from my my friend kate when she moved and so that's kate one that's kate two <laughs> that one's kate three and kate four is over in the living room but it's very little shop of horrors of you <laughs> audrey you. number two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be kind of cool as if like like four people that continually come to like each time you know if you have this many plants you like name the plant and then maybe like you have them like behind you or something mm -hmm. with like the name from each mm -hmm. one that'd be kind of cool yeah really puts a lot of pressure on you to take care of those plants <laughs> yeah. yeah I did pick the ones that have been alive for a while so I at least like don't feel bad I'm pretty good at keeping plants I I have killed this one plant over and over I it, it's doing okay right now because I gave it some a different light and and more water but um but yeah no I'm 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 pretty good at it I'm not great but uh yeah I'll do my best with this one that's a good point <laughs> okay let, let's do yeah. the answers <laughs> great okay so we've got one person in each camp and um a, a tiny drum roll please the answer is the Old English for Eldleofon. Hey. Rob, you got it right. Ye old right. suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so this follows a, tri a, a similar path for 12 too, actually. So oh. the Old English for 12 is two left. And essentially, it's like if you had 10 of a thing and then the extra one is one left. And that's basically it. Like, that's kind of how 11 came up. We, we ne needed... Oh you know, the, the, like words for one through 10. We didn't really need much above that for a really long time. And so there what like 20 wasn't even a number for a while. Um, and we basically got to two that the conventional thinking is that we got to 12 and there are a lot of cultures that count in, ba in base 12. And so hmm. by the time we got to 12, it was kind of like, all right, that's all the numbers. You can do everything <laughs> you want with one through 12. So we don't need any more. And so it wasn't for years and years and years that they eventually were like, I guess we can keep going. Why not? 13. Let's just make a convention here and we'll start there. But they already had the words for 11 and 12, so they don't they didn't rename them. So that's what they think happened. But... 
um, as with most things, the real story is lost to time. So we may never know. The others may be correct, Emily and Noah. We, we're, I, may, I mean, I made them up, so probably not, but you never know. It's always wow. a chance. You, you might have just incredible insight uh, and that you didn't realize that you were right. Yeah, of course. I didn't steal but one from J.R.R. Tolkien at all. So. Yeah, that's true. So, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I thought you. about um, one left and I interpreted it the totally other way, but I was thinking about, um, I think it like Phoenicians were one of the peoples that had a base 12 counting system. And, and we have a base 10, we think, because we have 10 fingers and it's just very straightforward. But you get a base 12 counting system if you count the knuckles on your hand. And so you do yeah, like... Yeah, that's the same. I was just going like, to say. So it's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 1 left, I'm done. And that was kind of huh. what I thought might be happening. It's kind of that. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more about like if you have 11 and you take away 10, there is one left. Mm. But I, I can see that version too of like there's one left to count. Um, basically, yeah, it's one more or one less than 10 so i also have this weird this this is a strange aside i have this weird thing where when i was learning spanish as a kid in like fifth grade i i learned the word for 19 was venti menos uno hmm. and i i've from who i don't know i like it's so weird because it's a thing that i learned like i was taught it and wrote it and then i said it in some place and like probably in high school and everyone like just laughed at me and I was like, no, it's a thing. And it's not. It's not a thing. And, <laughs> and I'd love to know who incepted that into my head when I was like six years old to make a fool of me later. So the other thing I oh, the other thing I love about this fact is like the implications on a word that that has come into culture recently. Um, because of this linguistic anomaly, um, it gives us the category of, of humans that are tweens who otherwise would not ah. would not be distinct in any way from from teens. <laughs> there you go but i think i don't even know where that come like does it just is it just below 20 like i don't get it it's it's like the 11s to 12s right that's a tween a a tween is so i guess linguistically i guess a tween is like a 10 11 and 12 year old um but like so papers on like early childhood education define it as 9 to 15 basically pre-adolescent yeah, and it, it totally depends who you who you look at and who you're reading, um, but like as old as 15 is a tween, depending on like where they are emotionally and physically, um, because they've kind of been grouped as like there are teenagers and then there are pre-adolescents or tweens. If you say that to a 13 year old, they'll murder you. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> freaking teen, but not I'm, a tween. I'm going to watch Avatar by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop me. They're actually, speaking of that, so Diana, as you were mentioning, um, sort of like this proclivity for a while for like counting to stop at 12, I was also wondering if there's any kind of like taboo language contribution mm. to that, because after 12 is 13, and I was kind of wondering if it was like, people were just like, yeah, we just stop at 12. We don't there's a number after about that. that. It's like bear, right? The mm. idea that... The yeah. word bear, right, used to be just like yeah. uh, it's the word for an animal, but it's not its its name because we're not supposed to say its name, so we just call it bear. And then eventually, like that's a bear, and they're like, "You don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> you don't understand what you're saying." But okay, it is, but it's not. Yeah, but you're ruining it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I actually don't know. I, I would be interested to know if people were just like, "Oh yeah, there's no numbers after that because the next one's bad," and then we just don't talk about the ones after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that you remember how, uh, well, I don't know if you remember this. You, I know, Rob, you're quite old, but you're not this old. But back when they had like maps where there was the edge of the world and then it, yeah. they didn't have anything beyond that. So it would say, here there be dragons. <laughs> you know, it's sort of with the taboo of like past 12 would just be like, here there are tweens. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's that's awesome. I think that's a great trivia question. You should absolutely. Yeah, you would. You, you got it right. <laughs> I think that's the best trivia question I've ever heard. Yeah, Noah, uh, what do you think, Emily? What do you think? I don't think it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's excellent. It was great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is, I will definitely, how about I just call once a week and I just ask you guys questions and you tell me if they're good or not. Yeah. That'd be great. So yeah, I would totally use that question at, um, at, wait, what, what trivia are you making? Oh, yeah. We're doing a weekly trivia at Science Friday for our virtual audience. So while we can't gather in person, we're going to just play some trivia every week every single week uh, it'll be wednesdays at 8 30 p.m um eastern time uh and we're starting 
now, actually. We're, they're already happening, so you should come on over. Uh, you can find out all the info. It's all free. ScienceFriday.com slash trivia. Amazing. Can't wait. Heck yeah. yeah. I'll see you guys there. Oh, we'll be there. Yeah, I will. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can't wait for all our listeners to lose to us at trivia. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't. You have to answer the question that I ask you for advice uh, on. I'm, I'm personally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But thanks so much, Dan. We have to get back to recording. This was just going to be a quick episode, so we're we're, we're uh, we got to get back to this. But thanks so much. Uh, we always love hearing your cool and awesome facts. Thank you all. I will. Uh, I'll listen soon. Bye, Diana. Bye, Diana. Bye. Great to see you. Well, that was really fun. Um, but we we do need Rob. We do need to get this <laughs> yeah. episode done. Um, so Someday. could I? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to be this guy on the podcast. But could you please turn your phones off? Because okay, we, yeah. we definitely yeah, can. Yeah, I, I agree. Because this is this is important. We got to get to it for the listeners. But okay. Uh, um, but, Noah. Yes. What's that sound? That's my phone. Mm. Curious. You gonna, you gonna pick it up? Um, I think I have to. Uh, actually, it's Sam. Oh. Uh, and oh, yeah. She she did send a text right before calling that says emergency. Oh, fact. by all means. So I, that's oh. that's a code word. I have to pick this up. I'm really really sorry. It's, it's really I mean, embarrassing. it's our duty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sam. Hi. Uh, this is one of the hosts of Facts Machine, right? Is this is this Noah? This is Noah. Yes, you've reached Noah, one of the hosts of Facts Machine. <laughs> Great. I will be honest. I had you in my phone as Fact Guy, and I, I knew that there was a reason why I had it in my phone. That Anyway, I remember that you told me I was allowed to store your number in my phone if I ever had a fact that was just too good to keep to myself. And, you know, Absolutely. I, had to, I had to press the button. I had to send the text. Well, I actually, right now, we're recording with the other two hosts. Uh, the, oh, my the God. Other fact guy and fact girl. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm actually, can I put you on speaker right now? Yeah, okay. Hey. Hey, Sam. Hey. Oh, my God. The fact triumvirate. <laughs> That's what you go by, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we, yeah. We have little golf shirts that say it. <laughs> okay, y'all are going to lose it. And also, I think after sharing this fact, I will feel a little bit lighter. Uh, so there's a selfish, you know, motivation for it. So, okay, the fact starts with a word. And the word is Canucksploitation. Ooh. Canucksploitation. Now, is this going to have anything to do with the fact that you are Canadian? You might well ask. You might well ask. So the context for this is that last night, or two nights, I can't even remember. It's been haunting me ever since. I wanted to watch a movie. I couldn't figure out the mood I wanted. I always like a good B movie. And I ended up watching this movie called Cannibal Girls, which is a movie made in 1973, directed by Ivan Reitman, and starring Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin. Hmm. Uh, wow. visiting a small Ontario town and falling victim to the cannibal girls. Now, the reason that this just kept getting more and more fascinating and led me to discover the entire world of exploitation is that I always kind of Rotten Tomatoes a movie like halfway through if it's not gripping, and I'm like, what did this get? Is this like <laughs> cult good or cult bad? <laughs> and... Um, and in it, I found the poster, and it said, Cannibal Girls, the tagline is, they do exactly what you think they do. <laughs> but that is not even the best part of this. The other thing, the other thing that it said on the poster was, the buzzer sound tells you when to shut your eyes. And I was like... <laughs> Hold the phone. So I, that's pretty polite. Like in a Canadian horror movie, they're like so polite as to tell you when it's time. If you you know look away, if you don't want to see this, that's exactly that's right. Wild. And so I looked it up, and sure enough, when the movie was released, they like I forget who it was, the production company, and I could explain like the era it was produced in, but wanted to add this gimmick to make sure it like sold out in box offices. And so they added this bell, this buzzer that. By the way, I listened to it in the trailer, and it's like the most jarring sound in the world. It sounds like a rusty, like Apple corer, like going around. It's awful. So, is it basically like that's when some people are about to be like cannibalized? Yes, and I. It wasn't in the edition that I saw. Like it didn't have the bell, but in the trailer, what happens is something's about to happen, and then someone. Uh, screams and then you hear the awful rusty sound and then right. the screen goes like uh, as if it's like a film negative you know it's like red and blue or something mm. um, mm -hmm. 
and it presumably then the gore starts. But then a ding at the ends is supposed to let you know when the violence is done <laughs> so you can open your eyes again. <laughs> oh, my God. So this was the film that led me down this rabbit hole to discover that there is an entire genre of Canadian cult horror or like B-movies ranging from thriller to horror to kind of uh, smut um, known as exploitation, <laughs> And it... And it's referred to like casually as can exploitation, but in a more formal sense, it's referred to as the tax shelter era because the only reason these mm. movies were produced, by the way, stop me if I'm giving you too many facts. No. <laughs> there's, there's never, there's never too many facts. <laughs> the, the, you know, the umbra- it's just all part of this one big fact. Um, so the tax shelter era was this time when the Canadian uh, government uh, elevated the the capital cost allowance like tax credit. So if you invested in one of these movies, you could deduct a hundred percent of your investment from your taxes. Wow! So it launched this era of terrible Canadian film. Maybe this is what it is to your question about why wasn't it Bloomhouse to meet the uh, capital cost allowance? It had to be. Um, uh, 75 minutes long at a minimum, but it also had to use 75% Canadian production crews and be mm. 75% shot in Canada. So I wonder mm. if it wasn't the result of like the scrappy approach to filmmaking um, and the urge to like get it out there within the fiscal year. I Well, that's definitely, yeah. that's definitely a good way, even if they're shit, it's a good way to build up the industry. Because you need, like, even if it's a bad movie, you need, like, grips and camera people and, you know, like, production assistants, all those people. You need to, like, get, make those jobs for people to be there. So it kind of makes sense. It's kind of a cool way to do it. And I think the thing that excites me most in reading about it is that um, the the guy who coined the phrase exploitation's name is C- Paul Carupe, and he used to be the editor of a Canadian magazine called Broken Pencil. Uh, and he coined the term in 1999, and then he went and started a blog called Canexploitation.com. So if anyone's interested, <laughs> you can go deep, deep like I did. Um, but he writes about how, you know, it it's kind of viewed as, like, B-movies and exploitation films of every genre are viewed as the alternative history of cinema. It is the underground story. Mm. It is kind of the the like, the like stuff that's not getting the glitzy treatment. So in that way, what you're saying, Noah, is right. Like it, it is kind of an exciting narrative that has just as much value as that of the Hollywood glamour, you know? I also find it interesting that, as you said, it had to be 75% Canadian crew right and crew and cast presumably 75 mm-hmm. percent shot in canada is do we think that was just like 75 minutes long we're gonna make everything 75 <laughs> yeah maybe it was <laughs> maybe like... it was like this is the 75 75 75 plan <laughs> well maybe we're like 75 movies a year yeah 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 they also made 75 <laughs> movies you know it's funny you say that because at the peak of the uh time of the tax shelter era the most movies ever made in a year was 77. Mm. Oh, that Ooh. must be where it all went wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. That's yeah. when it went down. They flew too close to the sun, <laughs> yeah. which is quite hard to do in Canada. It was either 77 <laughs> movies in a, in the final year or 77 movies total over the course of the entire tax shelter era. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> but it, what the other thing that strikes me as interesting about exploitation is like, I, I only have watched Cannibal Girls, but I am I am on track, baby. I'm going to watch them all. But there's nothing quintessentially Canadian about, like, the humor or the characters. Like, it doesn't feel like, um, like uh, what's an example of a movie? Like Canadian Bacon, you know, or like Bon mm. Cop, Bad Cop, where they're taking some elements. Are these, like, completely foreign? Am I just speaking? Never heard of it, but I do like Bon Cop, Bad Cop. <laughs> I assume that's French-Canadian. Or, or oh, it's like, uh, basically, it's, okay. it's like, it's like a, what's that, those movies with, like, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson, but it's, like, a French-Canadian and, a, and like, English. It is exactly that. <laughs> Y'all, this movie, you could not come up with a more Canadian premise. A man is murdered on the border between Quebec and Ontario, and his body is left <laughs> hanging over the border sign. So they have to assign one Ontario cop and one Quebec cop who hate each other to work together to solve the case. <laughs> I love that you said they have to assign one cop from each that hate each other. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually in the, the Canadian uh, 
It's actually in the Canadian Constitution. They have to hate <laughs> each other. Yeah. What were we talking about right before this Bon Cop, Bad Cop thread? Oh, oh, just that it's not about the identity of Canadians. The only thing about Cannibal Girls that someone was uh, pointed out is that it's one of the only, like, snowbound horror movies and it made me think about how it's not often you see hmm. people like running horrified through the snow. There's snowwhere to hide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I presume though, wouldn't everyone just have skis? Is that not true in Canada? <laughs> you know, if they'd had skis, they would have escaped the situation. So no. It would it would not work in this scenario. Since they didn't, everything went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> um, so how how old is Eugene Levy and, and what state are his eyebrows in in this movie? He is sporting a full afro. He is really leveraging his good hey. looks. Oh, Mine are well so bad. Okay. Just cut me out of the whole show. Just do Ooh, it. it's the worst, the better. <laughs> um, I just want to interject because I don't think it's ever going to be a relevant <laughs> thing to insert, but just a pun about Canadian horror movies. The hills have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, if you want to launch an entirely new exploitation era, uh, era where we actually do take advantage of Canadian just... sensibilities, you can name them all. There you go. Ooh, you've got the job. You've got Noah. the job. Well, if anyone I, else I think, has a good name, you should, I, I'm going to be thinking about it. I think we should make these. Okay. <laughs> so you're taking The Hills Have A's. What's anyone yeah, else's? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of movies. Quebec to the Future. They don't have to be horrors, well, right? Oh, that's solid. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. if we did a spy movie, Casino Montreal. Oh, that's oh, pretty good. That's good. Mm-hmm. The yeah. New Bruns Wicker Man. Nice. Ooh, that's really good. That's my best one. Very nice. Four weddings and a funeral, Alberta? No, that's... (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Why did anyone let me? Oh, man. (laughs) Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? (laughs) Yeah. We did it. I'm, I'm okay, satisfied. hang on. We got <laughs> okay. we got the New Bruns Wicker Manitoba. Whoa! Wow. Double feature. <laughs> yeah, it's a double that's, feature. That's really good. That's going to be <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, def- that's easily over seventy five minutes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, I wanted to go awesome. back very briefly to the connect exploitation thing and say one more note oh, yeah. about my fascination with like. Two things. One, the way that they, I don't know if all films are like this because I, I feel like I'm discovering like the genre of, of B-movies in like a very real way through the lens of exploitation. But are all the trailers just like very literal? Do they all say things like these trailers for the exploitation movies where it's like, uh, it's things like, um, remember to make sure that audiences are not uncomfortable when you hear this sound insert buzzer close your eyes to avoid seeing items that are you know scenes that are too erotic or grotesque <laughs> and it's like why okay and they say it twice in the trailer they say that twice in both both english and french <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> surprisingly not french but then in in um another movie trailer i saw for porkies which is like this famous uh screwball comedy that was part of the tax shelter era it's like um it was just like, uh, we can't show the shower scene because what they see is not safe. <laughs> we'll show you in the theater, but we can't show it now. <laughs> it's just so funny. Could, could you? Could this be a YouTube channel where we like remake American trailers with like Canadian sensibilities? <laughs> I I I am sensing that that American exploitation films of all genres do not do this. It's so funny. That's awesome. So that's the story of exploitation. Sam, I think you did such a good job of explaining that. <laughs> oh. I can explain it again next time. If you... <laughs> Anytime. Well, I think that did qualify as a facts emergency, and I'm so glad that you called us and uh, were a part of our podcast yet again. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me again, and may your pandemic days be filled with uh, surprising, baffling, bell-filled movies until we all get the jab. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. 
Sam. Bye, Sam. Bye. Okay, well, I think I seriously better make this quick announcement right now before we get any more calls. Um, this I'm is... dying to know what the announcement is, please. <laughs> and I hope it lives up to the hype now that we've wasted an hour. Not wasted. Now that we've uh, spent an hour talking to some dear friends. Uh, but like like we said earlier, three years ago, uh, on this week in March, the crew released our first episode about the Olympics. And we've been getting together to talk about trivia ever since. And now, uh, on The Verge, our 50th episode coming out. And we're going to celebrate by releasing a whole new slate of episodes. Woo! Heyo! That's right. And so every two weeks, uh, for the next many weeks, we're going to be interviewing exciting guests from all different fields, uh, with all different backgrounds and expertise, to hear about the facts that they find really interesting and exciting, and that are going to make us laugh together. Um, so these facts will all be appearing fresh in your podcast feeds. Get excited, tell your friends, and we'll see you in your ears. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> not, if, not if we see you in your ears first. <laughs> Do you think that could be our tagline? We'll see you in your ears. <laughs> We're going to try it. <laughs> ears looking at you, kid. <laughs> I feel like if that's the case, we should start making merch that's just like a branded Q-tips. <laughs> just fax machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like when you stick the Q-tip in, it plays like our theme song like with the pressure. <laughs> Oh, God. It's so loud. They're precision fact applicators. Wax machine. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So in in our typical fashion, this show has, I'm sorry, gone longer than we thought it would with with all these crazy calls. But, man, it feels good to learn tons of random facts, doesn't it? So good. That's what we're here for. And we're looking forward to releasing those new episodes to learn even more facts. So in the meantime, please check out our website, faxmachinepodcast.com, and follow us on social media, where you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at faxmachinepod, and on Facebook at faxmachinepodcast. And if you'd like to follow us individually, I'm SweaterVestSCI, Noah. At Arcs and Sciences. And Emily. At underscore E.M. Costa. And check out all of our guest feeds, Sam at Ahoy Samantha. Rich at Fizz, S-C-I, with two Zs. Anthony at A.C. Antonelli. Diana at Funk Minister. And Moya at Go Astromo. Fax Machine is produced by Rob Frawley, Noah Guyberson, and Emily Costa, with editing by Noah Guyberson. Our theme music is by Anthony Antonelli, and our logo was designed by Mike Zola. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.